Can a white host arrange gatherings that exclude her close black friends because they can't understand what it's like to be white? This is not the same thing. And you know what? If a black person is going to be uncomfortable, leave us out. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. We have no theme, so. Yeah, I gotta tell you, though, uh, I got some barnyard news for you. Okay, so we're starting off with barnyard news. Barnyard news is a segment where we report on animals in the barnyard, and some animals outside of the barnyard, basically animals. I think that encompasses all animals. So guess what? A Galapagos tortoise okay. that they thought to be extinct. However, it reemerges after 100 years. There's only one? Listen to this. I thought there were more than one. We're it, destroying everything. Yes. The last known time a Ferdinanda giant tortoise was seen alive was 1906. However. The thing is huge. Where'd it go? <laughs> well, they were like, nobody has spotted one since. Uh-huh. An adult female believed more than a century old was seen alive on Sunday during an expedition by the Giant Tortoise Restoration Initiative. I'm sorry. There are none left, and they're out there looking around. There's one tortoise There's one, to see. Yeah. Well, it's like nobody has seen this particular species of tortoise. How many people was, are in this club? <laughs> it's and what the club. hell are they doing? But the scientists have put their stamp on it. On this this species as extinct. Okay. However, yeah. this one has been hiding. <laughs> Clearly, I'll show you extinct. <laughs> yeah. They're just you know uh, like Greta Garbo. Yeah. You know they want to be alone. Right. So this the, the you know genetic studies will be carried out to reconfirm that the tortoise found belongs to the Ferdinandia Island species. And this is why she was hiding. Yes, exactly. Leave her alone. Yeah. And experts believe she is not alone. The tracks and scent of other tortoises believed to be of the same species were also observed by the team. Okay. Yeah. So. So they're back. They are back and better than ever. And hiding. That one probably came out of there, lost it there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, fine, I'll go out. But I'm telling you what's going to happen right now. They're going to start poking and prodding. Yeah. And we're going to take a sample. They're going to be sniffing me. They're going to know you guys are here. So I suggest that you guys get out of here. Yeah. I'll lead them away. Right? You guys run in the other direction. Run? It's going to take them days <laughs> just to get themselves together. You know? Oh, that's awesome. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so Titanic conspiracies. Oh, my God. People are obsessed with the Titanic. Mostly Still. white people. Still. Yeah. Um, it's a really big event for them. Uh, I still haven't seen the movie. But I found out that there are a lot of conspiracies around the Titanic. What? And I, were you aware of this? I know you're into the Titanic. I, not into it, but I, I saw the movie and I worked at a restaurant. Was the Titanic theme? That would be awful. No, no. <laughs> we're going down. No. Three times a week. You know, it was it was on a pier where the Titanic was supposed to duck. Okay. It was headed for Chelsea Piers. Uh-huh. In New York City. That's and, where the Titanic was supposed to come in. And so there was did. a restaurant there themed? No, the, it's not oh, okay. a theme. No, it just happens to be It's a called spot. Coming Soon. It's <laughs> coming Soon. 
So it was supposed to come in. When your ship comes in. Yeah, and, um, it, and it never did. No, so but the rescue ships docked, ported there. Okay. You know, with the survivors. That's interesting. And the survivors got out there at the restaurant. <laughs> had a bite to eat. <laughs> Um, so it says, late in the evening on April 14th, 1912, the RMS Titanic hit an iceberg and sank, killing 1,517 uh, 1, wow. of the 2,223 passengers and crew members. God. Um, so in order to make sense of this, some people uh, unable to process the tragedy or people who are just all coming up with conspiracy theories around whatever. Mm -hmm. They've come up with some conspiracy theories. And so here are some of the most enduring ones. <laughs> I like that term. Yeah, the okay. most enduring conspiracy theories. J.P. Morgan planned the disaster to kill his rivals, apparently rival millionaires Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim were on the ship. Ah. And they're saying that, I mean, if you're going to kill a rival... yeah. There must be easier ways. Like a social death apparently was not enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like a financial death was not enough. That So, I, I don't know. He gave him free tickets. I don't know what the idea. It says that the theory hinges on the fact that Morgan originally planned to sail on the Titanic himself. And then the last minute was like, I don't think I'm going to go. Um, but it doesn't offer an explanation for how he caused the iceberg to appear. Oh, right. And how all of the things that happened, the missteps that led up to that, the fact that the guy whose job it was to look for icebergs was handicapped from doing so because the the glasses he was supposed to use or the eyepiece was locked away. Right. Remember we talked yeah, about that yeah. on a previous episode yeah. that the person who had the keys to the cabinet with the binoculars, so to yeah. speak, the glass. The glass or whatever. So to speak. Um, the guy didn't pass over the keys so he couldn't get into the cabinet. And then I guess he also didn't have a sledgehammer or yeah. anything else. He couldn't smash it open. Or he was just like, you know what? If you're going to do that, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't even care anymore. Um... The theory claims that uh, Morgan wanted to kill them because they opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, really? Yeah, even though Astor and Guggenheim don't appear to have taken a position. And Strauss actually supported it. Okay. So there's so no... There's no... There's nothing behind okay. that. Um, and then also, the there's also an anti-Semitic conspiracy around the Rothschild. Why? This is one family. How how horrible could they have been that their name gets dragged up for anything that happens? Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Whatever. Um, so there is, and that's a pre, that that theory has resurfaced in the era of Trump. Um, no kidding. Being used as an anti-Semitic trope, the Rothschilds are running everything. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Um, and I see no difference though between the Rothschilds and like the Medici's or any other like you know mm -hmm. big. Powerful family, whatever. Um, so there was another theory is that it's an insurance scam. This theory posits that someone switched the Titanic with another ship. What? The White Star Line ship. Uh, so, sorry, Titanic was a White Star Line. Okay. And then another ship was the RMS Olympic. But as someone... Not so much of a White Star Line <laughs> a ship. White Star Line. <laughs> okay. But Paul... How can they switch ships and nobody notices? The theory starts from the fact that the Olympic was damaged while sailing from Southampton to England, Southampton, England to New York a year earlier. And it had returned to the shipyard in Belfast for repairs. 
Uh, the company repaired the Olympic and it sailed to New York and back, and it returned again in March of 1912, a few weeks before the Titanic set sail. So they're saying there was a switcheroo. Oh, God. And no okay. one noticed. No one noticed a giant ship. They were like, hmm, this is odd. The, f- the paint is still fresh. Oh, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Do wait I see- a minute. <laughs> it says uh, they claim that some persons or, what's that, some person or persons found the Olympic too damaged to be profitable and then switched it with the Titanic, Titanic and ditched the damaged ship to get the, month in- the insurance. And it seems kill a bunch of people in the process. I don't know I about know. that. That's a very so. Then there's another one, the Mummy's Curse. All oh, right, this is <laughs> so a, the Mummy's up Curse. My alley here. What? Apparently, uh, one of the passengers on the Titanic was William Stead, a British editor, who was a 20th century spiritualist and had spent the past couple of years that the cursed mummy was causing destruction in London. Right. Okay. So this is when they were looting. So I, I love this part of uh, British history that they're like we're bringing back mummies. These are people's ancestors. You're bring, you know, you're robbing graves and, and bringing uh, dead, back dead body, you know, dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. You can call it a mummy, but it's really just it's someone's a, ancestor. Yeah. Um, and now people are saying we would like our ancestors back, which I'm sympathetic to. Yeah. Because no I would want my great great grandmother back. And not on display. When and they're doing on display. They're, that's what they're doing with the. Yeah. The when mummy. you go to a museum and you see a mummy, it's someone's, you know, someone's ancestors. Um, which is weird. Yeah, that right? is. That's kind of like the bodies exhibit that they had a while ago. I never saw that. I didn't, I didn't either, but do you remember? It looks like Westworld, yeah. No, but these are actual these are people. Well, these people. people donated their bodies, though. No. They didn't donate their bodies? They're all um, Were they the prisoners? prisoners. No. I don't. That's weird to me. Yeah, because nobody's donating their bodies for this. All, but they surely were all prisoners. there are some people who give their bodies to science for yeah, like body but not and that things like many that. for a, a, a for-profit Yeah, I, would, I guess thing. it depends on how much. And also, yes, you can skin me yeah. from um, my whole left side and put me on display. I think that those were prisoners' bodies. Prisoners. What's wrong with people? Yeah. In any case... Um, and I say what is wrong with people, not because those are my morals, but most people are down with that. Yeah. Right? In any case. So he thought that this the curse of the mummy um, was, you know, cursing the ship. And they linked the mummy's curse to several other people who had been on the Titanic as well. So these are people who are... Several people who were cursed on the ship? Yeah. Who have been... Well, they call themselves, um, they're colonialists who were, you know, doing archaeology, but more popularly known as grave robbers. Yes, okay. Uh, And so they they felt, um, the mummy's curse is like, you feel bad about what you've done. So anytime, because you've stolen someone's ancestors or you've plundered, and then when something happens to you, you're like, I'm cursed. Yeah. Oh, That kind of thing. Then there was, uh, here's a a Catholic-related conspiracy theory. The Titanic conspiracy of the number 390904, which is the number that was on the side of the ship. Okay. Apparently, if you read it backwards, it says, no Pope. (laughs) (laughs) No Pope. No Pope. Yeah, this this myth says that Catholic employees of Harlan and Wolf, the Belfast company that built it, were distressed that the ship's number seemingly said no Pope. I don't know if someone caught it in a mirror. Or what the situation was, and they said uh, that they said this is a sign of bad luck. Really, all right. No pope. 
Uh, but the, a late historian, uh, Walter Lord, wrote that he received letters from people in Ireland saying this no, no Pope story started in the 50s. Oh, Much afterwards. Okay. And he points out there was no such number attached to the Titanic. <laughs> <Okay>. The whole... <laughs> the number on the ship was 401. Okay. The same as its yard number in Harlan and Wolf. And the board of trade number was 131428. Yet if even one of his numbers had read no Pope, there weren't any Catholic employees working there anyway because the company had gotten rid of all Catholics by the 1800s and it was only employing Protestants. No way! Because this is in Belfast. Okay. (laughs) So there you go. Wow. So those are the conspiracy theories. You have an anti-Semitic one, an anti-Catholic one, the mummy's curse. And then also the J.P. Morgan scuttled the entire ship just to get rid of three rival millionaires who had differing opinions about the Federal Reserve to no opinion at all. Wow. Weird. A conspiracy theory. Some people, uh, and then again, some people are so egomaniacal Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they don't care about taking down 1,500 people. Just to kill three people? Yeah. It's like, okay. it, it's meaningless. You know, no one would ever guess. Yeah. And who cares? And who's, and how will it stick to them? Yeah. Who will ever find out? Yeah. How bizarre. And they can enrich themselves. But that just tells you how people feel about J.P. Morgan. Yeah. That they thought he was capable of doing that. Yeah. Just to get his rivals. Yeah. All right, interesting. You know, it's, it's like pish tosh. Yeah. Who cares? Literally. <laughs> All right, what do you have? All right, hold on to your hats, everyone. Yes, your plastic hat. It's <laughs> a they have found that there are microplastics in rain. They must be pretty small. That's a micro... Yes. Okay. Okay. Tiny particles known as microplastics were found in record levels in the Arctic Sea ice earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, scientists have long known that microplastics travel in water, but... In packs. <laughs> roving around the Arctic. <laughs> they have headbands. <laughs> yes. They have a secret. They have throw signs. Yeah, they throw signs. signs. They, they throw travel in water, crystals. but uh, a new five-month study has now revealed they can also travel by air, spreading their effects even further into the environment. Okay. So researchers in France said they recently found thousands and thousands of microplastic particles raining down on a secluded spot in the Pyrenees, 120 kilomo- kilometers from the nearest city. Okay. Um, <laughs> Why were they out there <laughs> looking for it? I mean, are they looking for it specifically in sparsely populated areas, assuming this rain isn't falling in Paris? I guess, you know, they keep testing the air. Oh, that's where they are. Yeah. Anyone fancy a trip to the Pyrenees? (laughs) Because I do. Uh, So these microplastics are are long known as a source of water pollution, but they also travel by air, spreading their ill effects from dense population centers. Um, so it's kind of like, I guess they're testing to see how far this stuff travels and what's Dude, going on everywhere. I don't understand why they don't understand that we're living in a, cl- ain't nothing getting out. Yeah. So they, we can't even get gases out of here. I, it's, we know it's funny cause they're like, yeah, we know it's in the water, but now it's in the air. It's and it's everywhere. like water get, evaporates into the air. Right? Yeah. So the stuff that's in it, it makes sense. It's up there. 
and they find their the O part in the H2O. <laughs> yeah, the, a researcher calls their findings, quote, scary, unquote. That's what they said. Yeah. <laughs> scare quotes, scare quotes around yeah, the word scary. They said they expected to find plastics, but the numbers that they found were just overwhelming. Dude, look around. Go to Walmart. They're everywhere, plastics. 11,000. Where do they think this stuff is going? 11,400 pieces of microplastics per square meter mm-hmm. per month on average. Okay. And what are they? They, um, it's plastic debris. Okay. Less than five millimeters long, roughly the size of a sesame seed. That's pretty big. Yeah, but that's what they're calling that's it. That's not micro. Yeah, they can also be much smaller than the five millimeters, but that if five millimeters, that's the old, that's the I think they, these are mini plastics. I'm not giving them micro. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, that's big. We can, you can see it. And fragments of these um, were that in this particular finding were 10 to 30 microns across with, mo- with um, most roughly 50 microns. For comparison, a human hair is about 70 microns wide. Wow. Okay. So that's still pretty big. That's still pretty big. And yeah. it's basically anything. I'm like, looking at your hair in particular. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm yeah. measuring it by that. Microns are like um, also like the grit and sandpaper. Yeah. Um, uh, Aren't they also in a lot of uh, facial products? Yes. It's kind of that. Uh, the abrasive parts. Right. And also I was introduced to them in flooring products. If you have like a slippery floor, you can coat it. By putting like a top coat, and you can add this um, uh, a couple of you know these micron grit to it, so that you don't slip so and you don't fall. slip and fall. And it's like, how dense do you want it to be? How rough do you want that surface to be? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's pretty bad. Yeah, even quote unquote scary. Yeah, I I mean you know. So we're breathing this stuff in. Yeah, and eating it, and it's and it's getting everywhere. It's I don't know water, where they think this is going to go. It's the water. It's in the air. Yeah, it's like, anything that you make here stays here. I don't think that there's any way to get rid of anything. No, I think the majority of what we do with plastic is we just throw it out. It ends up in the garbage patch, mm-hmm. or we build you know dig a hole. And put it in that hole, or we burn it, or we do something like that. But it's not going anywhere, yeah. right? It's still here. So any like hygiene products, like and toothpaste and, and soaps that have microbeads, mm-hmm. it's yeah. yeah. I thought they were going to get rid of those things. Yeah, I think they are um, because you don't. I use. I've been using tooth powder for years because I cannot stand toothpaste. I've never been no? able. We were talking a couple of friends of mine. We were talking about this that when when I was a little kid, I remember. Um, not being suspicious of toothpaste because of the color, and I was sure there was sugar in it, which later we found on there was sugar in it when we were younger. But do you remember a toothpaste called AIM? Yes. It was it's just low in abrasion. a red gel. Get out. Do you remember that? It was red. Yeah, yeah. Why would you, if you're cleaning your teeth, why would you ever use something that has red dye in it? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it had no abrasion whatsoever. It was extremely sweet. Tasting. So it was like red gel sugar that yeah. you're rubbing on your teeth. And that's what you're rubbing on your teeth. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. And I had heard that like my grandparents and great-grandparents, they used baking soda. So I started using that, and now I buy tooth powder because I'm always suspicious of like toothpaste. That's it's interesting. Weird. I still remember the commercials for AIM. It was low in abrasion. They said yeah. so. It didn't have a. It was smooth, and it was just like it's not going to scratch your teeth. But you need a little bit of abrasion <laughs> to clean the teeth off, right? Yeah, that's true. And I just remember thinking, why isn't it clear? Yeah. Why does it even have a taste? What actually is it? 
aim. What's the goal here? Yeah. Oh, I don't God. Know. Yeah. I, I was creeped out by it. So I have a um, reality TV roundup here. This is a show hosted by Ryan Seacrest. They're uh-huh. casting it. Um, it's called Knock Knock Live. Knock Knock Live. Yeah. Knock okay. Knock Live. Do you ever fantasize about having your dreams right at your fingertips? Nah. Uh, how about right at your front door? Well, that dream will soon become a reality for lucky people around the country thanks to the reality series Knock Knock Live. Uh, so basically, each week, host Ryan Seacrest will oversee a group of co-hosts as they travel across the country surprising contestants with a knock-knock on their door. Uh, work, school, or church. That, okay. I don't go to church, but I for damn sure don't like the idea of someone showing up at a house of worship like, hey, knock, knock, to surprise somebody. And it's yeah. a TV show? Yeah. In the case. And also, shouldn't it be like um, a game show about coming up with a punchline to a joke? Knock, knock, who's there? Who's there? And uh, then you come up with a joke and right. whoever does the best joke wins. Uh, look, every episode we'll see a new batch of entrants being surprised with exciting games, big cash prizes at your church or synagogue or temple, I guess. Even a visit from a celebrity. Not at church. Not, Not anyone. But, like, at your job? Knock, knock? Knock, knock. Here's, you know, I'm, just, I'm in the bathroom flossing. It's like, knock, <laughs> knock, you come out. Surprise! Ah! Vincent D'Onofrio, or I don't know. Hi. It's like, so it was so jarring and so, like, surreal. You're like, what are you doing yeah. here? Why is this happening? So you, you may not know where or when the Knock Knock Live will happen, but you can guarantee it will be amazing. It's like you're going to be ambushed. Applicants are being accepted now. So it's not a real ambush. It's like you you put your name in the ring, and they probably say, not today, maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not this week, but sometime. (laughs) You will getting a knock at your house, a place of worship, um, your job, or school. Can you imagine in the middle of a finals exam? Yes. Nobody is going to get past security anymore. It's Kenny Chesney. (laughs) You know? Yeah. No, like you can't just roll up on people and knock that you're going to punch in the face. Yeah. Um, so, Knock Knock Live is accepting applications for new episode. Men and women, boys and girls, ages 14 and up. How about just people ages 14 and up? Yeah. Can submit themselves today at the official show website, knockknocklive.com. If you're under 18, you're going to need a legal guardian to check that out. So, Knock Knock, this is casting right now. Mm-hmm. You wanna, we, we, right now, at the podcast studio. It could come into the Hey You Know. Maybe, uh, Knock Knock, David Lee Roth. Oh, awesome. Surprise. <laughs> well, who would it be for me? Someone who I'd like to be. Knock Knock, it's Elon Musk. Yeah. I'd be like, everybody fucking get down. Get down, because we can see people coming. And if I saw Elon Musk coming here right now, I'd be like, get out of that desk. Yes. We'll just be quiet. <laughs> and I'd say, Musk guy, really? Yes. You must, you must get down. So, Knock Knock Live, hosted by Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, there's this website where you can see what's casting for reality TV shows. Wow. And that was on there, Knock Knock Live. All right, what do you have? I have Advice on Advice. Advice on Advice is a segment where we find advice on the internet that stinks. And it's unqualified. And we give our advice on that advice, hence... Advice on advice. Yes. So is it who is it from? Is it B. Jean? No, this is uh, Carolyn Hacks. Okay. I like Hacks. Okay. Dear Carolyn, uh, now into my 30s, I'm perpetually single. I really don't mind. Perpetually? 
What does that even mean? <laughs> it's like a flame. Yeah. It's a flame that does not go out. Yeah. It the flame of singleness is yeah. not extinguished ever. I really don't mind. I have fantastic friends, a supportive family, and my life is great. Mm-hmm. However, while getting drinks with a friend uh, a couple of weeks ago, she offhandedly mentioned that she'd gotten together with my best friend, his wife, and two other people I'm close friends with. Okay. I thought about inviting Wait you. a minute. My best friend. Yeah. His wife. Yeah. So our best friend's a dude. Yeah. And then two other friends. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we thought about inviting you, but it was a couple's thing, she said. Okay. I've since talked with a few friends about this, and they fall into two camps. That's utterly bizarre, and why do couples feel the need to hang out away from us singles? Mm-hmm. And, well, of course, couples need their own events, because we single people just don't understand the hazards of in-laws and shared bank accounts. Wait a minute. Is there, there should be another thing here. Do single people want to hang out with couples? Because I didn't when I was single. Yeah, right. Unless I'm friends with both yeah, of that's them. What, yeah, unless you're you friends know? with everybody. Yeah. And it's suddenly you're being excluded because you're single. And it also, it also depends on how deep into the couple you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, when, I, when you're first dating somebody, you might prefer to go out with other couples. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't know if this guy's going to be around, this girl's going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You might not want to be introducing all your friends in that way. Yeah. And you also might be testing things out. Right. Um, no, but then, yeah, that's true. I always found couples boring as shit. No, couples you are, know? couples are fine if they want to be in, like, hang out with other couples, because there's always, whatever, you know, whatever happens. I guess, yeah. But if they're already friends with this group of people, and then you're uh, just, like, on the outs. Out, you're on okay. the outs because you don't have a partner. Yeah. All right, so that's what it is. That's okay. Okay. My I was best, misinterpreting that. My Thank best you. friend is in the, the latter camp. I have to admit, I felt hurt by being left out of group events because I happen to be single. I try to explain it, but he just doesn't understand where I'm coming from at all. Mm-hmm. Uh... What's right? Does it matter? And do I just have to live with it? Signed, I'm single, not an alien. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, it's a thing because, you know, when you're married, there's some things that other married people only really experience. And sometimes you just are, like, in the same boat. And you, uh, you're hanging out. I don't know. I mean, as a married person, I'm going to say... This is a difficult one for me because most of the couples that we hang out with is because I'm we're friends with like either I'm friends with both of them mm-hmm. or Greg is friends with both of them mm-hmm. or we you know like we have friendships that are not based on yeah. the couple yeah. aspect of it. We don't really hang out with that many couples, um, but we don't. When we do get together with couples, we don't discuss couple stuff. If I want to get discuss couple stuff, I'll get together with one of the people in the couple. Yeah. Right, right and not like you yeah. know what I mean, not because it's hard to talk about. Inevitably, some complaints about your partner or your partner's friends or family are going to come up, and that's real awkward if the partner is there. Yeah, it's a lot easier if it's like you know one on one, half of the couple yeah. is there. Um, I and I also assume that most single people don't want to hang out with couples because they find it boring. Yeah, it can be. It definitely can be, like you know? to an extent. You know, and it's, it's like, like, but also a lot of couples, or you going out with couples, you're bored too. Yeah. So like, why why ruin it for a single person who has a chance to get out there and live? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's also sometimes if you're friends with all of these couples, yeah. And then you're being if, if it's based on it's just going to be couples. Yeah. And then you're left out of an event. You know that's not nice. You know. But if they but, do it just once, yeah, that's okay. That's fine. But that's if it's a, if it's a recurring thing, it's like that's not cool. Yeah. If that's what it turns into, that's what happens a lot mm-hmm. in the suburbs, especially. 
Yeah, um, well, in the suburbs, it's much more like the getting together is much more intentional, and it's in people's homes. Am yeah. I right with this yeah. one? So it's more like, oh, we're inviting the the Simpsons over. <laughs> I read you read. You know, or the... Yeah, it's like they start cherry-picking couples who they want to develop relationships with. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they would be good because of X, Y, and Z. But usually what happens to that single person, as soon as they get a couple, as soon as they become a couple, then they're back in, and it's boring for everybody Uh again. uh So they can also participate in the boredom of, like, couples night. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see what she says. No, but they're also, like, sometimes when you are single and you're with all couples, then you have to deal with, like, they make their own plans of when they want to leave. Yeah. Secret, like... Codes. They bolt. They yeah. People know how to bail. Yeah, and that's like, <laughs> oh, okay. So all these couples suddenly just like you're like mm-hmm. take it off. And you're like, well, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll. Oh. Uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this got okay. awkward. Yeah. All right. So what did she say? She says, uh, "Is there a more contrived or idi- idiotic party construct than a couple thing?" Not a rhetorical question. As and as failures of empathy go, this one is utter and baffling. Your best friend just doesn't understand. How hard is it exactly to imagine himself as an ex-spouse or widower someday on the mm-hmm. basis of that status alone gets blithely excluded from things? Yeah. Cause they do get excluded from things for other yeah. reasons because they're a fucking downer because their partner's <laughs> dead. Do you know what I mean? And everyone's oh, thinking no. about that. Right, right. <laughs> There's no, an empty seat next to Mark. That happened. <laughs> right. Right, but also they're not part of a couple anymore. Mm-hmm. And now these people, now the tables have turned on them. They were yeah. the ones doing the excluding, now they're the excluded. Well, so. yeah, they're going to have to deal with that. The whole thing is indefensible. I say touche. <laughs> touche. The whole thing is indefensible, and even presenting it as a dog-people-cat-people-style dichotomy gives it more credence than it deserves. Mm-hmm. Can a white host arrange gatherings that exclude her close black friends because they can't understand what it's like to be white? This is Ooh. not the same thing. Know, and you know what? If the black person is going to be uncomfortable, leave us out. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> even you know? I know. <laughs> like, don't put. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it comes. It comes down to if you think that person being there for whatever reasons, either they're going to be uncomfortable or the situation is going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, please, no. white people, do not invite me to your white power party. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know yeah, I mean? yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know what you mean. But it's not like, well, you know, you just don't understand what it's yeah, like. You don't understand. Like, you don't understand. I'm not going to be inviting my, you know, gay and trans friends to a priest-filled event. Yeah, right. It's, right. I don't I, know, you know. Um, even single-sex gatherings, which tend to be given... A societal pass mm-hmm. can cross the same indefensible line depending on the circumstances. Say you have a tight-knit group of five friends who socialize regularly, four women and a man. Mm-hmm. And then one of you up and hosts a night <laughs> really? out for just four women. Yes, that happens. No topical justifi- justifications like, say, a menstruation and you lecture. <laughs> okay. Uh, and no asking whether he wants in on spa day. Um proffering the grace of letting him him choose. The man would be completely have grounds to feel hurt. I like mean, I guess, but this again, this goes along with you So we talked about this some uh, a couple of years ago. Remember they tried to ban best friends? 
in what? schools. Oh, right. That kind of stuff because they don't want anyone to feel excluded. Unfortunately, it's a part of life. Yeah. You're not always going to be invited to everything. Yeah. And the reasons why are not always clear to you. Mm-hmm. So this woman may be thinking they're not inviting her because she's single. There may be another reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when people, a lot of people say, like, I don't know. Uh, sometimes when things happen, I'm like, is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm a woman? Am I an asshole? Yeah, yeah. You know right, I, mean? right. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. They don't yeah. want a libertarian up in that piece. They don't want a teacher. There's just too many people. You know, whatever. Yeah. You don't know what it is. I said some shit last week. Yeah, it could go be, well. It could be anything, and you're never going to know. And you're never going to know. And so you can't just pick one of the yeah. things and assign it. This is because but of also that. too, if you, I mean, why why make a big deal out of it? Yeah. So I'm sure there are plenty of times when I haven't been invited to things, and I was like, oh man, I feel really bad about it. And then you talk to the person, and sometimes, quite honestly, they're like, well, I didn't think you'd want to be there. This yeah, thing. yeah, I didn't think you want to go to this thing. Or I'm sorry, I totally forgot mm-hmm. when I set it up. Yeah, whatever. You know, you don't have to be with everybody all the time. And you don't have to explain yourself all the time either. Right. You know. Now, certainly people have every right to host their friends in mixed combinations at events large and small. Not every every gathering needs to be include every person we like, love, work with or a butt. (laughs) Yeah. Yet deciding someone typically integral is now disposable based on casual on casual. um the, on a casual bias like this uh-huh. is exactly as crap as it sounds. It Although feels. we don't know what the bias is. All right. If you have, I hope you have a sense of humor because after all, here's my advice. You're mm-hmm. right. It does matter and you have to live with it anyway. Well, you don't have to. At least you have ample grounds to choose to. These are your friends whom you yourself call fantastic. You can decide. Um, they have one ugly blind spot and even forgive them for it without sacrificing your soul as long as you believe the good in them plainly outweighs the, this particular bad. Mm-hmm. And that's for that's for everything. Otherwise, you won't have any damn friends. Yeah, I know. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but there's also a thing, too, of like, we're not big group people. We yeah. usually just hang out, the two of us. Yeah, um, but this one, this this just in this case. Yeah, this is a group. This is a group. It yeah. says, I thought about inviting you, but it was a couple thing. They decided it was a couple thing. And okay, well, wasn't. then that's not very personal. In my mind. Yeah. They wouldn't invite anybody who was not in a couple. Mm-hmm. If you were in a couple, they would invite you. True. It was going back to the white power party, it's like, not not personal, but this is a white thing. It's like, <laughs> fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, we're, we're yeah. having, or we're having our, you know. Yeah. Our, whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah. We're having our thing. It's like, great. Yeah. Enjoy. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Is that? All right. Yeah. I like hacks. All right. So I'm going to... I'm doubling up on this advice. Uh oh. Okay. I have another um, a hacks. Um, hello, Carolyn. Oh, you. <laughs> yes. My kids have been bonus bonus advice. My kids have been asking for a dog for several years, and we finally got a family puppy. Mm-hmm. We love this dog more than we ever expected! Exclamation point. Which is good, and that's what should happen when you yeah. get a pet. <laughs> like you yes. should not be like, well, I thought this would be better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, we live about 600 miles from my parents who want nothing to do with dogs. They do, however, want to spend time with us and often complain that we don't visit enough. 600 miles away? 600, that's a long... That's far. Yeah. They Come don't... Over more. It's like a 10-hour drive or more. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to house our dog, which I understand, but we can't afford a hotel room or a kennel for all the trips they want us to make. Yeah. Having a pet is a serious thing. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, you have to, 
like whenever friends of mine have pets, I'm like, you understand that this is going to incur a lot of costs because uh-huh. if you want to travel or do anything, whatever. And I know people who don't travel because they have a dog, their choice, whatever. Yeah. Uh, we can't seem to come to an agreement. I say they shouldn't try to guilt us for having a life outside of them. They feel we never should have gotten a dog. Knowing that they live so far away and can't stand dogs, what do you think? I think your parents are assholes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you play bass keys, drums, guitar, sing lead or rap, horns too. Looking for a place to go Saturday night, 8 p.m. to 12. Funkadelic Studios, y'all. Fully equipped rehearsal studio. It's got everything you need to jam. What you waiting on? 209 was 40th Street. Come one, come all, and you can bring your bandmate, lover, or friend. Yeah, come prepared to jam. That's funny. It's like they the parents moved, are like, you did this on purpose. So. But they all, they moved 600 miles away from y'all behinds. Yeah. To, and now they have a dog, and their kids really wanted a dog. So, so you're saying basically your grandchildren shouldn't have a pet. So they could see you more. Yeah, even though for a lot of children, like I grew up with a, I had a dog mm. for a little while. But for a lot of my friends who had dogs when they were growing that was a huge part of their life. Yeah, yeah. Taking it's like care of it. It's right. like their friend. Yeah, this is know? the whole thing. It teaches them responsibility. Yeah, but they love those pets. Yeah. Um, yeah, even people with cats. Cats live too long. Just put that out there. But, like, a lot of my <laughs> friends, like, you know, you're in your 20s and you have these female friends who have a cat that's, yeah. like, a thousand fucking years old. Oh, yeah. And, and they're like, like, I can't do anything with it. I'm like, I know what you could do with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it doesn't involve a bucket of water. Yeah. But, you know, it could. Um, so it says, so signed a dog convert. It's, it's, that's, uh, that's nuts. You can't tell anybody that they not they to have can't, a pet. Not to have a pet because if you want them to visit more, then, like, give them some money to board the dog somewhere or something. Or, I mean, I don't know what kind. I understand that people don't want dogs and things in their house. Um, but also, this is a puppy. Yeah. So you can't, when you first have a dog, it's, uh, and actually I delayed getting this last dog mm-hmm. that I just got. Well, make sure that you get it at the right time of year when you know you're not going to be doing a lot of mm-hmm, travel. Mm-hmm. Because when they're a puppy, you can't really leave them with people the same way you can when you have an adult. Our, our dog right. is an adult now. She'll go to anybody's house and sit in her little area, no problem. Yeah. Right? We know what to expect from her. But with a puppy, you yeah. don't know what to expect. You don't know that they're not going to eat someone's Labutin. Yeah. You take them over to your house, yeah, and they're not yeah, going to yeah, shit yeah. on someone's carpet. Right. Also, nobody wants to miss that puppy time. That's mm-hmm. the best time of having a dog. They're cute. Yeah, yeah. They're you know? tiny. They're Especially fun. children. Yeah. They don't want to miss that. Yeah. Um, so, she writes, a dog convert. I think what's truly unfortunate is that your parents think your household is about them. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. That's true. It is. Yeah. You shouldn't have gotten a dog because we don't like dogs, and now you're saying you can't visit. Uh, yeah. I feel like they got the dog so they don't have to. Yeah, that and the 600-mile Yeah, I was like, you know what? We got two dogs. Between the two homes, yeah. <laughs> we have two dogs. And now, now we're 1,200 miles and away. And we're 1,200 miles away, exactly. Um, it's also unfortunate they somehow have you thinking theirs is a normal set of expectations and to some degree you're obliged to find ways to address. This is a difficult one because as people get into their 30s and older, you start to question your fealty to your parents, Mm -hmm. especially when they start to make demands. You're like, wait a minute, this doesn't, like, I, I'm a parent now or Mm -hmm. I'm an adult now. This doesn't seem like a reasonable expectation. Um, there's, she said, there's no agreement, quote unquote, here to quote unquote come to. 
because your parents don't have any say in how you run your household, none, zero. They also don't have any say in how often you travel to see them. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Except to yeah. let you know whether or for how long you were welcome. Why don't they... And I see this for a lot of people I know. Why don't these parents ever come to visit their children? Why yeah. does it have to be the other way around? Exactly. Like they have, aren't, can't they be sensitive to the fact that these people have young children? She said, my kids. Yeah. So they have at least two children. And then and, and a dog now. These grandparents have none. Yeah. So why can't they just get up and get in their car? Because the for their whole life, they've been expecting their children to do. Uh, that, that's what I'm guessing. Um, if they really want to see you, and if they're unwilling or unable to do the bulk of the traveling themselves, then they have incentives available to them. They could offer you kennel money, mm-hmm. as you said. Yes. Or I'll pay for a hotel visit. They could just trust you to do your best to come and see them. They could be pleasant company that you'll stretch yourselves financially to travel wherever, whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, instead, they skipped to the first page. They skipped the first page of the Unwritten Manual of Hospitality, which notes that if you want to see people, this is where I am with this, then don't complain about them to them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it. that's it. It's not like... Yeah. About what they tell them, what they did wrong. Yeah. So her advice is, one, stop arguing with people about things that aren't their business. Any and all people will start with your parents. Number two, actually, that's it. See, number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it says, second, if this is the tip of the Giltberg, I've never heard that before, the tip of the Giltberg, then please run your family dynamic by a therapist. Boundaries work. For, uh, I don't know if, like... <laughs> Therapy is, like, in order for this. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless it's... This seems to me like a really good opportunity to tell their parents to get it together. Yeah, you know? I think so. Like, I don't think you need to pay a therapist to but help you work it out. it's pretty rude to tell someone they shouldn't have gotten a dog. Yes, absolutely. Just because you want to see them a couple yeah. times a year. And it's like, I, I understand that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who aren't into pets, and there's some kinds of pets I'm not into either. But when you go to somebody's house, you just have to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like that people have their pets. It's it's part of their family. Yeah. And you are not going to be like, put away your children. Yeah. Because I Although, feel like I'm sure some people do. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't do any of Crate that. Create the yeah. children. Create the children. I just, you know, I find the them to be sticky. Yeah. Um, I know people who their grand the grandparents don't act like grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like they won't watch the kids on their own, or they have to be there and this kind of stuff. Like it's more of a more of a chore. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember growing up and just being thrown at people's grandparents. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And then the grandparents would just like deal with it. They'd be watching their own grandchildren, some random asshole who came yeah. from next door. Yeah, like the older person's house in our community was like where everybody hung out. Like yeah, Aunt Addie, yeah, yeah. everybody went over there. Yeah. I mean, and th- and that's that's a great thing to have. Yeah, you know. But if you don't, if you're not going to be hospitable, it's like forget you it. You can't be selective and pick and choose exactly yeah. what you want in your home and what what you want. So that's a a hacks. All right. Um, I actually had another really cool piece of advice, but we can get on to the. Well, I have. I have a listener mail. Okay. Awesome. So if you want to interact with us via mail, you can send us an uh, email at heyyouknow at gmail.com. We will not keep your address, sell it to anybody, and use it anyway, and we'll keep you anonymous. Yes. AF. Yes. <laughs> Except for this guy, because it's your husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Greg. He was, pe- he was like, I've sent you guys so many things. I hope they make it in. <laughs> Greg Zenon, here is your listener mail. Yeah, so thank you, Greg, so much. You sent this uh, this article in saying, according to science, queens don't stop me now. 
mm-hmm. is the most uplifting uplifting song ever. Really? Yes. And it's like according to science. So that's a strong According statement. to who science? Let's see. It says, even in 2019, Queen's influence is as strong as ever. Their influence is so strong mm-hmm. that even science has begun to take notice. Did they take note of Europe's The Final Countdown? <laughs> or no. more than a feeling? <laughs> more than a feeling. More I, than a feeling. But not The Final Countdown. What about Don't Stop Believing, Journey? That's a, that's that's a powerful pretty song. powerful and inspirational. Yes. Living on a prayer? <sighs> You know? All right, let's hear what science has to say. Science says. Yeah. Songs that leave listeners feeling good, Queen's Don't Stop Me Now made it to the top of the list. Mm-hmm. The number one song for really? feeling good. Okay. And here is how science was able to measure positive <laughs> feelings from a song. Okay. The answer lies in this simple equation, and they give a, a rating that has beats per minute and the majors and the chords and the la la la. Mm-hmm. There's a whole there's a whole formula here, but according to this researcher, Doctor Jacob Jolly, word, <laughs> the beats per minute, musical mm-hmm. scale, lyrical content, and variety of chords are this are some of the main factors that can determine the amount of positivity felt from a song. Mm-hmm. For instance... I feel like they should have been, like, talking to George Clinton about this kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. someone who's, like, yeah. a musician. For instance, a song with a beat per minute um, higher than 150... Mm-hmm. Um, That's too many beats. <laughs> ...gives listeners a sense of energy. If the song is being played in the third major key, listeners also often feel... Um, experience a sense of happiness and confidence. Okay. So put that all together, and you get Don't Stop Me Now, and you're feeling pretty great. Wow. I always feel like that song is like the... If if that song were a drug, it would be cocaine. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like it's like people running in a circle. Yeah. You know? And another one, the, the top ten scientifically uplifting songs... Mm-hmm. Um, Are they all English? Number 10 is Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. Okay. Nine, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. Okay. How are you feeling so far? Wait, I Will Survive? That's slow beats per minute, right? No, that starts out slow. First she was afraid oh, that's and petrified, right. and then it then, yeah. kicks up. Um, eight is Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. Okay. You nailed that one. Seven, Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Okay. That was the first cassette tape I ever purchased. Six, The Monkees, I'm a Believer. I really love that song. I do, too. I used to like The Monkees. Me, too. I <laughs> One of them just kicked it. Yeah, Peter Tork. No, no one lives forever. <laughs> that was not... That was, like, the worst... That would be... Don't ask Jaquita Satmari to do a eulogy. Eh, no, no one lives forever. Number five. Let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, number five is Survivor, Eye of the Tiger. Oh, okay. All right. Four is Billy Joel, Uptown Girl. No, no it's I, not. No, I, no, I don't know how that not. got on this Ooh. list. And I, I'm, Greg, I know that Greg hates Billy Joel, and I'm surprised. Yeah, well, it's he, on the list. There's nothing you can do I about it. I would it out. I would have um, redacted that. Three is the Beach Boys, Good Vibrations, which I just think needs to be flushed down the toilet. No, and I like the Beach Boys, but I don't like Good Vibrations. No. Well, how about Wouldn't It Be Nice? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, more upbeat. And then uh, number two is ABBA's Dancing Queen. Okay. Gets every white Everyone girl out on the gets floor. gets going, yeah, for Dancing Queen. Also gay men. Yes. And then the number one is Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. Okay. I think that was great. I Thank would you love, so much, Greg. Yeah, I would love to see uh, what scientists in other regions of the world 
would come up with for their songs. Because yeah. I, I, I feel like there is a Bhangra song, like, from India that probably blows all of that away. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, our country isn't that big. Yeah. They get millions, a billion people over there going. Like, what happens in China? Yeah. Like, what, get, what can get a billion people going? Yeah, in I terms did, of the song. Is I, it Gangnam Style? Gangnam Style's probably... That's a real... You know? That's a catchy song. Yeah, that's extremely Listen to catchy. Listen it one more time, listeners, yeah. and you will be like, that's catchy. Another one is... Um, who is it? Lenny and, and Dylan singing... Um, it's like a... Oh, God. It's one of my um, Zumba songs. <laughs> uh, is Zumba is, still going? La Balada, I think it's called. Okay. It's a really catchy song. I like it a lot. It's a Spanish song. Che, che, chile, che, 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 chile, che. Bang, bang. And everyone dances and has a great time. It's okay. Just, it's really something else. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I I just, yeah, I'm curious. So if, if anyone out there can tell us some songs from other cultures. Yes. Um, that are uplifting, as mm-hmm. uplifting or more uplifting than Don't Stop Me Now. Yeah. Um... We'd like to know about it. Yeah, please. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at Stitcher.com and at HeyYouKnowIt.com. Thanks.